Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey folks, we have just a little over a fortnight until our massive live show at Giant Dwarf in Sydney. So if you haven't booked tickets yet, we do have some left, but these are selling out really, really fast. So head to giantdwarf.com.au to get your tickets to Loose Units live in Sydney. Don't miss out. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 1980s in Sydney, which has been widely regarded as one of the most dangerous times to be a police officer in Australia. It was basically the Wild West. So I wrote a book about it. It was called Loose Units. And then we did a podcast about it. Loose Units Season 1 was an incredible experience, and we loved every minute of it. But... It turns out that Dad did more than just patrol the streets. He plunged headfirst into the terrifying world of forensics. So on this season of Loose Units, that's what we're doing. We're going deep into the world of forensics and fingerprints and all of that good stuff. Well, I say good stuff. Actually, things got worse than ever. So strap in for Loose Units Season 2, Electric Blue. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, the podcast. I'm Paul Verhoeven. Sitting across from me is my ex-cop dad, John Verhoeven. Now, it's the grand final in Melbourne this weekend. And dad, we have never actually talked about crime and sports. We we never discuss sport in our family, as you know. Yeah, I wasn't raised to be a sporting person. No. Why was that? Well, when I... That's a good story. It's a good... It's a great... No, no, it's really interesting. And um, (laughs) when I... Actually, was a young kid living in the country. Yeah, where are we now? Whereabouts in the country? Armadale. Armadale in New South Wales. Yeah, which is freezing. Is it? And, well, in winter it's it snows. Well, it snowed once. <laughs> once while I was there. Right. So, so say once every ten years it snows. Right. Okay. And uh, I, my parents wanted me to play soccer, so we used to. They bought me these secondhand soccer boots. Mm. Can you imagine that? Like, didn't even buy me new ones they bought second hand and they were off some geriatric rugby league player from the 1940s okay a ratchet right and i remember putting them on and we'd go down in a little bus to this town south of armadar where the ground was like was like rock it was so cold right and i used to have to go out onto the field and um i played number nine goal scorer mm. but i was so cold and so lazy that i just waited until the ball was presented right at my feet and then i just kick it in and that's how I used to play soccer, right? Which has not got a lot to do with sport. I mean, per what, se. one might even ask why you would bother mm. to tell that story. But then, at all. When I, but then when I went to high school, yeah. 
I was I was one of these weedy guys. I was tall and skinny, and we had a really really good rugby league team at the high school. Mm. And I don't know whether it's still like this today, but in those days, everyone used to when they used to pick teams, they pick you know the sort of the macho you know sort of how do you describe them those jocks yeah yeah that's an american term that i but look yeah that sort of gives it sort of this meaning to what i'm about to say and, and they'd choose their friends first right, 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 right and i was always one of those sad kids left just and no one chose me and i began to develop this disdain for organized sport <laughs> And I think you may recall in the book, I joined the shooting club. Well, I actually didn't join the shooting club, mm. I, I, but I did. We had a shooting club. I mean, how weird's that? Yeah. A shooting club with air rifles at a high school in Sydney. Now, um... That's the time I shot the captain in the of foot. the school. Yeah. And he came back and he then... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. But that's in the book. Um, but then I sort of decided to take on a sort of a path of doing more individual pursuits. Sure. And I got involved in spearfishing and skydiving, barefoot water skiing, all those high adrenaline action sports that yep. were sort of, as you know, um, sort of individual pursuits. Yeah. And then when I joined the New South Wales Police Force, I was heavily into the skydiving. Yeah. And I used to dive, skydive with what was called a ram air canopy. That was like a rectangular, amazing canopy. When you see skydivers come down and they're just about to touch the ground, they flare. So in, in, in essence, what they're doing is they're stalling the canopy. Mm. Then they just sort of land very daintily. The problem is if you stall too high, you collapse your canopy and you come down and generally you'll you'll die. Right. That's the very least that'll happen to you. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is you had an aversion to... <laughs> To team team sport. Well, yeah, because I mean, the whole thing about team sport is you need to function as part of a group. So what made you want to, I mean, I would argue joining the police force is a big team sport. Like, um, you don't yeah, think so? No, because you're, you're you're on the street, you're working with one one person. Yeah, yeah. And you're sort of a, a micro crew getting out there and getting in amongst it. So you're okay working with very, very small groups. Small groups. Of yep. people you trust. One of the things that we covered a lot in the book, Loose Units, was that you got buddied up with people who you didn't like. Mm. And I've noticed in myself that same tendency to <laughs> to make a very snap decision about whether I like or not like someone mm. and have real trouble hiding my I know, I know, but you know, that can be problematic. Yeah. If you think about some of the people that you've made a snap judgment on, I've done it a few times and mm. I'm, not, I'm not exactly proud of it, but it makes you realize that first impressions are not always accurate. Right. And And, and I've got good friends that... You know, when I first met them, I thought, you know, who's this tosser? <laughs> but um, but then, you know, I came to realise that that I was wrong, well, com- completely, and perhaps I I ended up the tosser. Well, perhaps the tosser became the tossy. Mm. Uh, um, okay, so bringing it back to sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, during the during the writing of the book, there were a few cases that almost made it in. And didn't, not because they weren't good, but because honestly, we just ran out of room. Like the book was, it, it flies by, it's a fast book, but we mm. didn't have room for it. No. And um, one of the things I struggled with when I moved from Sydney to Victoria was the fact that I didn't have an AFL team um, because I'd basically been raised to hate any form of football or rugby or anything like that. Mm. And I got the feeling that your disdain for those sports was due to something in your past and you said you actually had some stories about footballers. Yeah, look, I'm I'm going to be fairly, um, you know, discreet. Sure. Um, but I recall when I joined the New South Wales Police Force, there were professional footballers. Mm. Um, so down in Melbourne, you've got the AFL, 
And in Sydney, of course, you've got the rugby league. Yep. And, 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 you know, the rugby league players, the first grade players, are, are deities. Everyone knows them, sell out crowds, it's rough and tumble. But quite a few of them became police officers. Really? And I worked with a few at North Sydney. So when would they have the time? Ah, well, here's the thing. Um, not sure whether I've ever mentioned this, but it's always been one of those... Like, at the, at the live performance... Uh, at the sellout live performance we did in Melbourne, and <laughs> I, I, you know, I, 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 you know, fair warning. I did say to everyone, look, you know, I'm going to get on my soapbox because I've got you all in a room, and and I guess this is one of these things that I do tend to get up on a soapbox. Not so much um, of late, but you've sort of, sort of not opened a wound, but I felt very, very strongly about the treatment that professional rugby league players were given. Right. They were because they used to train. So I lived at. Um, you know, on the northern beaches, and uh, we had a, a football club that used to be called Norths or North Sydney, and there were some really famous and you know guys that played for Australia. Yeah, and they were also serving police officers. So on a Tuesday night, they would be given. So they're rostered on to work in the New South Wales Police Force. Yep, but they were allowed to go and train during working hours, and I thought, well, that's that's weird. We're taking police off the street that should be actually doing policing. Mm. But not only that, sometimes I would be the driver. So they were not only allowed to go and train up at North Sydney Oval. This, these are first grade professional rugby league players who are earning you know, a professional footballer's salary plus a police salary. Mm. But they're also being given a police car and a driver. And Muggins here would often drive these professional footballers up to the Oval where I'd sit in the car... You weren't allowed to respond to anything because it would be dangerous because you're by yourself yeah. because your colleague is on the oval training. But and that's in, can you not see that that's sort that's of bananas? Well, that's how it was because you know these rugby league players were they were just the philosophy in the New South Wales Police Force back then was that they were it was like a PR thing mm. where if they saw if the public saw police officers that were also rugby league players. Mm. It was good for the police force. Right, okay. Like, okay. okay. I, I saw it very, very differently. And one of the problems for me, you know how in life your past affects your present? Well, the, I mean, this podcast is an excellent example mm. of that. Yeah. So on those rare occasions where we'd have to go to big, big football games yeah. at the uh, Sydney Cricket Ground, yep. I mean, back in the day, there, were, there was a place called The Hill, and on the hill, that was notorious for brawls. Mm. And I, I just remember, A, getting involved in terrible brawls because there were, everyone was drunk on the hill. And I remember being having half full cans of beer thrown at me as a police officer. Right. And that was sort of, and the crowd were all very, you know, it was intense and it just wasn't my scene. And that sort of reinforced my, my dare I say it, my disdain. And I don't want to piss listeners off, but, you know, that look... And the poor old police were brought in to sort of try and control these crowds. Now, I'm sure it's changed a lot over over the years. Mm. But here's the thing. I did skydiving for five years and I did 1,100 jumps and I was very, very good at accuracy jumping. So what I did, I came up with this really... Because I thought that the New South Wales Police Force, and you know I still do, but back then in, more so, had a real image problem. And I thought, what can we do to really you know, help the image of the New South Wales Police Force. So I submitted this massive report. And what I wanted to do was I wanted the um, police force to allow me to jump into the middle of big sporting games. 
you know, under canopy yeah, and yeah. have emblazoned on the underside of the canopy so that when everyone looks up, they see the words New South Wales Police Force. So I was hoping that the police force might at least sponsor, um, you know, part payment of the canopy because the, these ram air canopies were very expensive. Right. And then I could sort of build up a rapport with the police air wing and I could jump out of helicopters. And people, it happens all over the world. Mm. People jump out of helicopters and they, and they, I mean, I'm sure it happens down here at big events. And you've got these amazing, and you've got these amazing sort of coloured smoke screens or not you know like trails yeah. and you come in and you're sort of with the, the, the club colors or whatever and you sort of land and everyone and it's, it's all part of the pr thing and i put this massive report together thinking that wow they're going to go you know what perhaps you know we're not just going to look after first grade football players that earn a hideously massive salary on top of their police uh, income yeah and take resources from the job of course i got a reply back saying a ridiculous suggestion we're not interested in and it's not going any further so that sort of little things like that used to sort of reinforce my disdain yeah and then seeing all all the injustices in the police force and 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 i worked with um quite a few professional footballers and you know because they were involved in the rugby league professional world they actually couldn't get too involved in policing well how so well for example with the arrests they they couldn't get involved in court work because it would interfere with their games Right, so anything, any case that involved um, basically time commitments, you because okay, so you, I mean you've mentioned before that when you're on general duties or forensics or whatever, um, your job on a case is fairly finite. Generally speaking, you go, you get involved, you write your report, you're done. You don't check in later on. No. So what's stopping a professional footballer who's a cop as well from doing that, from dipping in? Well, what what used to happen uh, historically is it, that the police back in the uh, 80s that were professional sports people mm. they used to be put into fairly obscure you know sections within the police force like they'd be doing warrants and summonses and sort of the back the back rooms stuff sure okay okay so you just just stuff that would technically allow them to stay on payroll yeah but yeah. wouldn't tax them too hard true true but there was a very very famous footballer called uh, don mckinnon okay so don mckinnon yeah you, you mentioned this story in a previous episode so have you ever had to deal with um sports hooligans 
sports hooligans. Yeah, sports hooligans. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> like what? Okay, I guess I'm trying to figure out. Okay, here's a classic. Yeah, there was this um, a stand at the Sydney Cricket Ground called the Pat Hill Stand, which mm. was an ancient, ancient sort of Victorian, you know, 140 year old timber sort of weird um, stand. Stand. That's the word. <laughs> stand. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Sure. Um, and uh, I'll never forget. See, in 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 Sydney's uh, rugby league world, um, you know, everyone uh, loves a team, but everyone hates Manly. Really? No, they hate them. Really? Yeah, they they're, they're nicknamed Silver Tails. That's a whole topic that I don't know or care about. Okay. But I'll never forget. There was this, and I and I and I remember the day because it was an incredible day in Sydney's uh, police history, and it was a Saturday afternoon. And um, I'm at the back of this stand called the Pat Hill stand, right at the back in the top. And then a couple, and I'm in uniform, and a, and a couple of these crazy, um, insane fans of the other team. I think it was Wests or something. They said to me, "Oh, what team do you support?" And I said, "Oh, well, I don't really support any team, but I guess if I did it, it'd be manly." And I'm not joking. There was a mini riot. And these people, I think, were going to throw me off the top of the Pat Hill stand. It was that frightening and i called a signal one yeah where my life was in imminent danger this sounds so insane but i was actually shitting myself and i was probably four stories up oh jesus this old decrepit uh what's the word you used stand Stand. that's it it's the maud flanders problem we had to get piffed off a stand and um and i'll never ever forget i called and the police were running towards me the trg to save me this sounds (laughs) fucking ridiculous sorry just quickly how Whereabouts in your career were you at this point? Oh, I was I was junior. Okay, okay. Super junior, yeah, but yeah. I was shitting myself. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, these people genuinely hated me because I, um, you know, it's weird, isn't it? But look, it was another world back then. Yeah. Fans were actually insane, yeah. and I'm quite sure some of them are today. Anyway, the TRG and I remember these police running up the, and they were coming towards me, and everyone was getting a bit scared, and I'm thinking, thinking, shit, this is great. I'm I'm actually not going to die here. Mm. And then these uh, these TRG guys, they started like in, in a bad movie. They started to actually slow down. And they actually sort of, it looked as though they were actually turning sort of from a normal or fairly quick run to slow-mo. And they sort of got halfway up the stairs and they looked at me and then they turned around and left. What? Yeah. Why? You ready for this? Yeah. The Milpera bikey massacre was unfolding as I was calling a signal one. No. Yep. And all the TRG and uh, the, you know that you Which, know the story where no. all the two gangs they um, no I don't know the story it's an incredible story the Milpera bikey massacre it's it's one of the most famous uh, mass shootings in Australian history right so just just quickly they start slowing down yep because they've gotten a call a major call a major call now just yeah. just walk me through just from the very beginning what this call was and what was happening okay. Well, uh, it's a suburb in Sydney, and it was a meet where bikey gangs sort of swap and you know uh, exchange and sell bike parts, right. generally Harley Davidson parts. That sounds fun, like bric-a-brac, like a like a like a yard sale. Yeah, yard sale in in the in the car park of the Milpera Hotel, oh, which was a fairly notorious area. And these two gangs had already decided to uh, to have a full blown shootout. And the story goes that that or, or the sort of the mythology that I've never really been able to get to the bottom of was that apparently. There was a girl, and I think she was she was definitely in her teens, mm. and she, as, as far as I know, she was actually the prize in an auction, oh. a, like a raffle. Jesus Christ! Mm. And uh, anyway, it turned out to be a full blown shootout, 
And there were, and someone may correct me, but I think there were 11 fatalities that afternoon. Oh. And it was horrendous. And here's, here's a little aside to this story, Paul, mm. is that your grandfather, yeah. my father, mm. he edited that story for the Australian Police Journal. Really? And, all, and, and back in the day, the Australian Police Journal, which was sort of a restricted publication, mm. uh, all the photographs were uncensored. And I'll never, ever forget the photographs of these bikies that have been shot, some of them in the head, at, at close range by shotguns. And, and the, uh, you know, the wounds were horrendous. And, and, it's, and it's notorious. And the court case lasted for two years. Is that unusual? Very unusual. And the, both the gangs that were on either side of the court had to be in these perspex um, sort of bulletproof booths. And the TRG, th- their job, and, and good friends of mine that were in the TRG, for two years, some of them were just, their job was to guard these bikies during the court process. Incredible story. It's, it's, it's a famous story. And it's called the Milber- Mil- Milpera Bikey Massacre. So the men running up to rescue you. Correct. That's the call they got. That's the call they got. Now... I have to just ask, what happened to you next? Well, when the people that were really, really sort of, um, to sort of be very understated, somewhat antagonistic towards me, um, and were venting their hatred towards Manly football team, and some people might go, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, But when they realised that the TRG, and these TRG, you know, they don't fuck around. Mm. They're coming towards you and they're going to kill you, basically, because they're they're sort of like riot police on, you know, on speed. And then that sort of, that dispelled and sort of got rid of all that. I was then able to make a quick exit stage right, and and I sort of got out of there, and, and, you know, it was good. The timing was great. Okay. And that's that's a sports story and a bikey story and a... And, and that's weird because it was such a significant and momentous event in Australian crime. Yeah. That saved your life. That saved my life. Isn't that... A, that's, that's weird, isn't it? It's amazing. And you haven't heard that story, have Never you? heard it before. Love it. That was really good. Okay. Uh, well, that was an amazing story. Let's wrap up this episode with a question from a listener. So, this question is from James. I think this is a really good one, actually. Hello. I've become absolutely obsessed with Loose Units, the podcast, and I'm working my way through the book. I love it. Question aimed at John. I'm currently at a bit of a crossroads in life and I'm looking at a change of career with the police force and the fire brigade being my two main choices. I've been a retained part-time firefighter for nine years in New South Wales and I'm curious to know whether John preferred his time with the NSWFB or police force more and which career he'd recommend more to a prospective applicant. Cheers and can't wait for more episodes. James. James, I love the question. Um, It's a shame you're not here in the studio where I could really nut some things out because I don't really know you know, a lot about you, but based on my experience, so I was in the New South Wales Police Force for almost a decade. Mm. I then went on to become a safety inspector with work cover for a few years investigating industrial accidents. Then I joined the New South Wales Fire Brigades, which I did for pretty well 10 years to the day. It's a great question. Um, I would, without knowing you, I would definitely join the New South Wales Police Force really over the fire brigade the fire brigade yeah it's you know and people love fireies but if you're into action and excitement and lots of thrills and sort of stepping out into the unknown on a daily basis it's definitely the police force hmm. and the prospects within the police force to to specialize in many many varied fields are numerous as opposed to the fire brigade. And there's a saying in the New South Wales Fire Brigade, and perhaps so in many, many fire brigades across the world, is that being a fireman is 99% extreme 
boredom mm. and 1% sheer terror. And that's how I'd sort of sum things up. And, you know, I don't want to piss fires off because, hey, I was a fiery for 10 years. So I've seen some pretty, pretty heavy shit, mainly fires, funnily enough. <laughs> no, that sounds weird. Um, I mean, no, that actually sounds weird. No, but you're right. think about the thousands of car accidents and, you know, all that sort of stuff that people go to. Yeah. But I still, from what I, and I think I'm in fairly well placed to sort of at least see it from the Sydney um, fire versus police. It's terrible saying verse because that's sort of bit, a bit competitive. Yeah. Because I was in the New South Wales Fire Brigades when we had the most terrible turf wars between the police rescue and the fire brigade. And it was really, really heavy. Wasn't there were fights, mm. actual physical punch-ups at major car accidents and crashes between... The police and the fire brigade. We can talk about that in a future episode if you'd yeah, like. But yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. So you're saying New South Wales police force for James. Oh, look, it's just... Look, it's... I, I, I hate generalising, but I'm going to. I reckon, at least from when I was in the job, yep. um, I'd say... This is going to sound out, outrageous, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. I reckon three months in the New South Wales police force is equivalent in terms of what you see mm. to 10 years in the fire brigade. Wow. That's a big call. Yeah. But, hey, you know, and I was a ladder driver for the last four years. Yeah. An incredibly prestigious, amazing, you know, the ladders, the big platforms, all the aerial appliances. You just go cruising and people are just, they, they, they love you. Um, but in terms of actually getting the, getting the gear to work, yeah. a, a, an expression or term which means actually using it in anger. Yeah. So, you're, you know, you're actually, you're, 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 it's fair income. Yeah. Uh, those occasions are not that common, but well, it's you're on standby and you need the gear. But yeah. it's sort of it's more more reactive. Yeah, I understand. I mean, it's literally all reactive because mm. you're not going in wedding buildings so they don't go on fire. There's Correct. No, there's no. <laughs> That's right. No. Yeah. Although maybe that'll work. I don't know. Um, well, look, James. We hope uh, Dad has answered your question. Thank you for listening to another episode of Loose Unit Season Two: Electric Blue. Don't forget. We are doing a live Sydney episode of Loose Units. If you go back and listen to the last two episodes, you'll be able to hear what a live episode of Loose Units actually sounds like. And I think you'll agree that it was pretty fun. So, tickets are basically almost sold out, but we do have some left. Make sure you grab them up and don't miss out. October the 11th, uh, head across to giantdwarf.com.au to see us live, and we'll catch you next week for more Loose Units. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.